0: I definitely want to bring in more diversity into recruiting. That's the biggest thing that I'm noticing a lot of. Whenever a show needs somebody, they have like a list of people that they already have, and they're all like old white men. I really want to like kind of knock that out, figure out a system to be like, here are more younger people of color, women, LGBTQ people that are also looking for those kinds of positions and can rise up in animation.
1: Hello, welcome everyone to Straight Ahead, an animation podcast where we spotlight rising Black, Indigenous, and people of color who are the future voices of the animation industry. I am Raymond Ozilanda, one half of your co-host.
2: And I'm Yuki Okamura-Wong, the other half of our whole host. Our guest this week is Christian Alvarez. He is a Latino and currently working as a production coordinator on SpongeBob Camp Coral. Would you mind telling us a bit more about yourself?
0: Yeah. So, hi guys. Nice to meet you. It's a pleasure to be on the podcast. A little bit about me. I grew up in Anaheim, California. I actually grew up across the street from Disneyland, so I get a lot of inspiration from that. <laughs> I think it really inspired me to kind of get into the animation groove and uh, really figure out what I wanted to do with my life. From there, I've been all over the industry, worked in all types of different types of animation. So, I'm really excited to be here and talk more about myself.
2: That's <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, Yeah, it's really exciting to have you on.
0: Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. Happy to be here.
2: Okay, so the way we like to start off on straight ahead is by playing a little game called Mm -hmm. In Between. We're going to give you two similar choices and then you have to choose in between the two of them and then let us know why. Okay.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs)
2: Uh, Are you ready, man?
0: Yeah, let's do it. Let's try it out.
1: Okay, cool. I'll start us off with the first question. All right. Would you rather fight against evil... As a superhero, like El Tigre from El Tigre, The Adventures of Manny Rivera. Uh huh. Or like a luchador, like Ricochet from Mucha Lucha. Ooh.
0: I would say El Tigre. I'm down with Manny.
2: Ah, uh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> How come? You just like the, the suit better, or what? Oh,
0: yeah, the suit's way better, man.
2: <laughs>
0: way better. Are you kidding me? Be a tiger, man, rather than spandex and leotard. No, thank you. I'd rather not.
2: I heard Ray's heart shatter.
0: I don't want to like, <laughs> from here. you know, I don't want to like wrestle people onto the ground. Like as a luchador, I want to like slash them up. That would be sick.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Like some more action-packed superhero stunts. Exactly. More actual
0: superhero stunts and not really like, what was it? There's a flea who was just stinky. That was his whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair. fair point, fair
3: point.
0: <laughs>
1: I, know, I will defend that. I think you can still do some cool superhero stuff in Lucha, especially like one of the more high flyers. You can like swing around and stuff.
0: Because that's the thing. You only get superpowers on your finishing move. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's bad. So you're yeah, very think, limited.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think one of them turns into like a truck or something. Yeah. And stuff I, what like was that, that? It that. was very, the, I totally That was a girl. She would when turn into
0: like a tractor or something.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs>
3: oh, Yeah
1: oh man you know, I, I i get you i think i think ultimately even though like i like lucha i think i would also go with el tigre yeah because mm. i'll admit when i was younger i loved Muchilucha lucha more than i did el tigre <gasps> but o- getting older i like <laughs> el tigre more yeah oh my god <laughs> I, I like el tigre more than Lucha because like the more i realized i just realized like i learned more about it and like looking back at it it just wasn't as authentic as i wanted it to be with Muchilucha. Mm. lucha, yeah. lucha. Especially because, like, the two people that created it were from, like, Australia. Yeah. (laughs) So, there wasn't a lot of actual, like, Hispanic artists or, like, you know, Hispanic Mm. people working on it. Yeah.
0: I mean, you had Jorge there who was doing character designs and stuff. But other than that, yeah. I feel
1: like that was the extent, though. That was it. I feel like, I think he (laughs) might have. Try to like give some like story points, but I don't know if they listened to him or not. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel
0: like with El he definitely had his hands more on the authenticity and the feel of the whole show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, for yeah. sure.
2: I think that speaks to how much you remember it though. you were like, yeah, this show is great because like you remember the design, like, oh man, those designs were so good. And Ooh, like yeah. the world, the colors, mm-hmm. like everything, like the characters is so fun. But then you're like, don't really remember this story because you were a little <laughs> kid. And then you look back on you're like, oh, wasn't that authentic. But you thought it was, right? Because you were yeah. like, yeah, it must have been, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I was distracted by the yeah. all the colors. All the colors and the masks.
0: <laughs> I think as Latinos, like we don't get a lot of stuff in the media. Mm-hmm. Like like back then, there wasn't a lot of stuff no. that was tr- like towards little totally. Latino kids or me- Mexican kids. So, so
1: anything that was, you would latch onto it. You would latch onto yeah. it.
0: You'd be like, this is mine. This is for me now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, once El Gear came a- around, that was our mascot for the longest time.
3: Hell yeah. Until
0: Jorge started making more movies and then Pixar started making movies. and mm-hmm. Now we're getting Latino superheroes and stuff. It's really exciting. It's actually yeah. a yeah. very exciting time.
1: The Blue Beetle movie. I'm excited for that. I'm oh, so excited yeah. for
0: that.
1: The one thing I also want to mention is the fact that like, yeah, like we would latch on to anything that was like anything representing like Hispanic or Latinx or whatever. But mm-hmm. now we got to the point where like... We're not just going to latch onto anything that's. Latinx. it has to be good. We're not yeah. just going to accept, lack for a better word, any garbage that you throw, just because there's a Latino character. We're not just all oh, making can go latch onto it. The story and the quality has to be good as well. Exactly. Yeah,
2: I agree. Well hopefully we get more into that later. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but to kind of move our icebreaker along, yeah, we'll go into the last question here. Which trading card game world, would you rather be transported to Pokemon? or Magic the Gathering.
0: Pokemon, man, are you kidding me?
2: Really? Oh, <laughs> surprise! I think Surprising you guys was so fast. I think though. you
0: guys both know that I have a terrible addiction to Pokemon. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so, was it like? Yes. Did
2: you always collect Pokemon cards, or yeah. is this like a thing that reared rose? Like you're like, oh, maybe a-
0: no. Well, I collected Pokemon's as a kid, and I was really into the games up until like college, and then you know I fell out of it because I was like, ooh, girls are pretty. I should focus on them. <laughs> <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) started doing that and just fell out of pokemon i didn't think it was cool anymore but i still had i still brought my pokemon cards with me which to Mm. whichever apartment i moved to or to like whichever dorm i was in college so i just they were there with me the entire time and i just never told anybody and it wasn't until like 2016 17 like around the time that detective pikachu came out That it Mm. kind of like reignited that like, oh, I wonder how Pokemon cards are doing again. And it sent me down a spiral to where I am now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What's your uh, coolest card that you have right now?
0: My coolest card? Oh, man. I wish I could show you this card. So, there's a card called Uyama's Pikachu. Hmm. And it's a card from like 1999 that was only in Japan. It was part of the Vending Machine series.
2: Oh, interesting. And this
0: artist, Uyama, whenever he does a Pokemon card, he makes the entire card look like a drawing or a painting. Right. So like that card specifically looks like a child's drawing, like a kid's draw. the entire thing. It's, it's oh. so nice and so perfect. I love it.
1: I just looked it up. Oh, that's actually really cool. It it's like really doesn't have cute. a frame, it's just it the whole card. It doesn't have a frame. It doesn't that's look cool. like
0: any other card out there. It's like specific to only that card. I love that card so much.
1: Um oh yeah, it that's does really look cool. like it's like drawn by like a, like if a child like made his own Pokemon card. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. I, I oh love my it
0: so much. It's so unique. That's I think that's mm. my favorite thing about it.
1: And so you you bought it obviously, or did you like oh. find it in the like the wild
0: so, I have two versions of it. I have the card version mm-hmm. and then I have this sheet that it still comes in, like unpeeled from 1999. Ah.
1: It's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I'm looking, I'm looking at the prices. I was like, holy damn, this card.
0: <laughs> yeah, it could get up there. It, could, it can really get up there. I mean, that that's the thing with Pokemon is I'm starting to see more... They're starting to introduce these things called alternate arts. Which mm-hmm. they let mm-hmm. they bring in like a guest artist to come on and do their own Pokemon card in a different style. So it doesn't look mm. like a traditional Pokemon card, but it has their artwork blanketed all over it. They're looking beautiful and they're they're different styles all the time. So I'm happy that Pokemon's kind of taking more of an artsy route. Yeah. That's cool. But those cards are also super fucking expensive, so <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure.
2: You're like an art collector. <laughs> exactly.
0: They're little pieces of art that I just Throw in a box.
1: (laughs) Thanks so much for playing in between with us, Christian. Hopefully, you had some fun playing. Absolutely. (laughs) And if you enjoyed today's in between questions, let us know your responses. Or if you have any suggestions for future in between questions, contact us on social media. further ado something we want to jump into is that obviously we're doing Hispanic Heritage Month here on straight ahead and we're super happy to give more of a spotlight on Latinx artists and bringing a lot of amazing artists especially people like you Christian who does dabbles in both like production and design so that's gonna be something really interesting that what really want to dive into as we get further in the podcast but you're currently a production coordinator at Camp Coral Spongebob's Mm -hmm. under years what is your day-to-day like as a production coordinator on a 3D television series
0: well, it's, it's kind of hard to explain. My day-to-day ranges from different parts of the pipeline, definitely. I handle about eight episodes at a time. Wow. Oh, and wow. Every episode is in a different part of the pipeline. Some will be in handout, some will be in the plussing pass, some will be in design, some will be in layout, primary, secondary, or comp. So, it really depends on where we are on the pipeline. Some days, we'll be conforming a board. Some days, we'll be assigning out designs to our artists. Mm -hmm. And some days we'll be handing out to our artists. So, it's all different, but it definitely keeps us on our toes and it keeps things fresh. That's for sure. Every day is very different and I have to constantly be looking at the schedule to make sure that I'm, I'm keeping track of everything. That was something that I struggled with at the beginning of the show because I I came in halfway through the first season, so I wasn't really sure where everything was. I I hadn't worked on a CG show before. Mm. I had worked on a CG feature and that was so different. Working on a CG show is just so fast paced. And it's just, there's really no time in the schedule to like make big mistakes. Mm -hmm. So, I had a really hard time kind of grasping like, okay, what should I be doing now? Where is this episode? What's happening here? Until I really got a grasp on the schedule and figuring out like when things are due and who I should be talking to. I think that was like the biggest thing, jumping that hurdle of what should I be doing and how should I keep these things in line? But once I got over that, everything came through squeaky clean, no problems.
2: Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Were you able to like ask somebody, you know, when you were a little lost, I guess you had a a production (laughs) manager or anybody?
0: I did. I I would reach out a lot. I'd ask a lot of questions on like my first two or three months because I was like still a little confused on some stuff. A lot of things would happen from like the first season that I wasn't a part of, like Mm pre-production that I wasn't a part of. So I was still Mm kind of learning that stuff. And I mean, I'm still asking questions to this day to stuff that I'm like, oh, I haven't done this before on this show. I don't know what your guys' like process is. And everybody's been very responsive and very understanding. But, you know, you want to try your best and you want to not bother too many people. And that's one thing that I definitely had to get over and learn.
1: No, but it's good that you ask questions because honestly, a lot of people don't.
0: Yeah. Like in reality,
1: a lot of people are too scared to ask questions either for a couple of reasons. Either they're kind of like you mentioned, they don't want to bother anybody. Or they're too fightful or too yeah. like, no, I can figure it out. I can figure it out. I got it. Like, yeah, I got it. I got it. I can, I exactly. can figure it out. It's like, no, you're struggling. Yeah. Ask for ask. help. I'll help you. And then you can go faster. But so many people either they want to like have a lot to prove. Yeah. Or it's arrogance or it's just they think they're being considerate by like not bothering somebody. But really, you're going to cause more problems in the pipeline down the road if you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Exactly.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's, that's like the biggest thing is like if you don't ask. There could be a bigger problem later down the pipeline that you're just not aware of, you know, that you just think, mm-hmm. oh, I did it all right. I did it good. And it's like, no, no, you messed up on a lot of this because you you didn't ask anybody. Mm-hmm. So, I, definitely, I would definitely bring that on to like people who are transitioning into the industry to like ask what tw- – don't be afraid to ask questions.
3: Mm. Don't
0: be afraid to reach out to your coordinators, your production assistants, your managers, whoever is above you, ask questions. Mm-hmm. It's not that scary. Nobody's going to think any less of you.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh something I kinda want to, like, you know, ask deeper, especially talking about Camp Coral, is that 3D is kind of gaining a little more traction, it seems like, especially with some of the rebos being done to make the series, such as like Spongebob, the Rugrats to kind of make it feel more fresh by giving it a three D look. What are some of the challenges that you have faced with working in a three D pipeline on such an established series like
0: SpongeBob? For me, I think the biggest hurdle that I was worried about when I first started on the show was like how are we gonna translate these goofy, crazy poses that SpongeBob does—you know, he mm-hmm. twists mm-hmm. himself. He, his eyes get elongated. Sometimes his eyes pop out.
1: The iconic, like I think everybody has stolen this from SpongeBob, but that kind of gross-ups mm-hmm. that SpongeBob is known for.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it's like, how how do we translate that from 2D to 3D without losing any of that character? You know, I think that was one thing that I was worried about coming onto the show, but. As we started breaking down episodes, I was surprised to hear from the CG team like, oh, it's no problem. Oh, we got it. Don't <laughs> worry about it. And I'm like, what? Are you guys wizards or something? What the heck? <laughs> and so, like, that's the thing that I was super worried about and I'd look at the poses on the storyboards and I'd be like, oh, I don't think we're going to be able to hit that pose. I don't, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. But we'd be in an art breakdown and i'd be like okay what do you guys think like can we get this and they'd be like oh we get close or oh no that's no problem we'll just do a blend or we'll just do this and i'm like wow man you guys are really good at your job and then you see it in the final (laughs) animation and you're like how the hell are we not breaking the rig how are we not breaking the model this is incredible Mm -hmm. and i mean it really shows on the the episodes that we have out right now like some of those poses are absolutely amazing and they really push what models and rigs can do, especially on a TV budget. You know, you see a lot mm. of posing and a lot of crazy stuff done in like feature films, like uh, like Hotel Transylvania. You know, you see these yeah. rigs being completely broken, and they have the time to really like figure things out and sit there and take months on it and like really hone in like this this energy. And we're on a shorter time, we got a littler budget, and we still come out just as good. It's very surprising to me. I think that was the biggest challenge that I saw Mm -hmm. coming into the show. And I'm glad that our crew has been able to kind of get over that hurdle and just like figure that all out. And we have such a talented crew. I'm so proud of them. For sure.
1: No, totally. Because like when I saw like the trailer and stuff for Camp Coral, that was like one of my concerns was like, damn, how are they gonna push the poses? Like, I wonder if it's gonna be super restricted. And when I saw it was like, holy shit, it feels like Spongebob.
0: Yeah, that's one thing that I'm really proud about, honestly, on this show is what we're able to get away with.
1: Also, when it comes to kind of doing like a revival of of an established like IP or an established series like SpongeBob Rugrats, obviously there's going to be a backlash from people that are just not as accepting. And I know (laughs) because it blew up on Twitter. Yeah. I know so many people hated when Camp Curl was announced during the Super Bowl uh, yeah. or when it was showcased. And like, one, give the series a chance. Two, yeah. like, again, it still has the same feel. But what are your thoughts, especially being on the side that's producing it and uh, kind of receiving that kind of like negative comments or that backlash?
0: Definitely. I would say like, one, please don't harass the artists that work on the show. Like, mm-hmm. honestly... We all love this project with a passion, and we're all trying our best to create a 100% great show for everybody. You know, we're not trying to like disrespect anybody. We're not trying to go off of anything that the humor that Steven Hillenburg didn't want for the show. We're trying to respect his wishes, but also, you know, create more shows for younger audiences and you know, for kids who didn't grow up on SpongeBob, like. You know, I grew up in the 90s, I grew up on Spongebob, but there has to be new stuff for them, you know? Mm
3: -hmm. And
0: we're we're constantly trying to make a great show for everybody. This is not – like, we're not trying to make money, we're not – that's not important. Like, we're trying our hardest to make sure that we're keeping the character of Spongebob alive, essentially. I also don't get a lot of the – backlash because they they tend to quote what was it like a magazine interview from like 2004 when the first spongebob movie came out Mm -hmm. and steven hollenberg says i don't see any spinoffs or movies yet Mm -hmm. he did two more sequels and he set up camp coral in the third movie which he wrote so it just doesn't make sense to me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it is hard you know seeing those those kinds of comments online but You know, when you see the other comments of people like praising the show, loving the show, that makes it worth it, honestly, because you know, there are people who appreciate what we're doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah.
1: What do you currently enjoy the most about your role as a production coordinator at Nickelodeon?
0: Oh, man. What do I currently enjoy? So, the thing that goes back to the other thing is I think I'm just constantly surrounded by super talented people. I think that's like the best thing about my job is like everybody on the crew is so... One, positive and they're very quick to make a final decision on something. Like they already know from 100 miles away, you could be like, I'm worried about this thing. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, that's no problem. Oh, I got it. We'll figure it out. Don't worry about like, that's what I love so much as a coordinator, because I don't have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. That takes stress off of me where I'm like, man, how are we going to do this? Because I handle episodes from beginning to end. So I have to make sure that they get to that end. And if I have people who are telling me, oh, we can't do that. Oh, we need to change that. Oh, uh," it's like it keeps me from doing my job and to have a bunch of people who are like, oh, yeah, we'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. We got it it's so refreshing mm-hmm. and it's so nice. Honestly, I think that's mm-hmm. like my favorite part about being on this specific career right now.
1: It's really great because yeah, 2D and 3D are different. Each of them have their yeah. own limitations but you know the limitations so you have this perception yeah. of the limitations where it's like you have to constantly have the foresight of like, okay, that's super cool. Can we pull that off? I know that's something you need yeah. to ask. I know this Plus, is-
0: Can we do it?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. In your unique position, that's something you constantly have to have foresight. When you're the board artist, you're just trying to make it as fun as possible, Mm -hmm. trying to see what you can push and then they can always tell you to reel it back. But like, yeah, you're in the position where you constantly have to have that foresight in the production to feel like what can we realistically do to keep the integrity of the boards for what the board artist intended, but also still Mm -hmm. make it work on the design aspect on the 3D because you also don't want to overwork the 3D team or expend the budget on something that's not worth it, you know? exactly
0: that's like the biggest thing is like having that foresight and having a crew that's like don't worry about it we got it you got nothing to worry it's like it's so nice it's great it's great mm-hmm. i love this crew they're, they're amazing
1: so obviously like you have worked your way up to a position of being a production coordinator but obviously before even getting to a position like that you have to kind of start somewhere yeah. so could you tell us how you got your start and how you landed your first job in the
0: industry of animation Oh man! I mean, okay, I'm gonna have to go way back to when I was in college. <laughs> uh, so it was my junior year, my junior to my senior year, and I felt like I hadn't grown at all as an artist. Like I hadn't, I wasn't enough. So what I did is every day I would draw all the time, everywhere, <laughs> in every class that I had, like at dinner, at home. All the time. And the way I would force myself to draw is I would have to force myself to post a picture of like my favorite drawing on Instagram. And I do that every four hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I would post wow. my favorite drawing every four hours on Instagram just to force myself to continuously keep drawing and be like, I got to get better. I got to get better. I got to get better. Oh and God. I did that all summer up until I got back to my senior year. And I started getting A lot of like recognition online. Like people started following me on Instagram. A lot of big artists that I was like, that I loved, that I was like referencing in some of my work, they were like following me back. It was incredible. It was, oh, I was like, holy crap, what's happening? And I was just drawing, (laughs) I was just drawing my little heart out. And it helped because that following CTN that came up. Everybody knew me. It was crazy. It was like I was just walking around and Ctn. and Be like, "Hey, are you Christian?" I'd be like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Are you GhostLayer? I be like, "Yeah." <laughs> it was nuts. <laughs> it was crazy, but it got it got a lot of attention, and mm. it got the attention of a few recruiters out there. And I'd talk to them at Ctn. I'd keep in contact with them while I was in school, and I was honestly really worried about getting a job or an internship right after school a paid one especially because i like had an apartment i had to keep up you know and i mm-hmm. i had to have money so i was super mm-hmm. worried about that and then one day out of the blue i get a call i remember i was in bed watching what was it batman versus superman and i had <laughs> i had this is the second time i played it because i had fallen asleep the other time <laughs> <laughs> and i woke up to a call from disney tv and they were like mm, hey hello are you interested in position on an internship at Disney TV on Big Hero 6? And I was like, Whoa. hell yeah. And and the, <laughs> awesome. the strangest thing to me was like, I hadn't interviewed. I hadn't met with anybody. I had just kept in contact with the recruiter over there. And like, they, they knew me. We had talked at CTN. It was just like that communication, I think, that really helped me kind of be above everybody else, honestly. Mm -hmm. I think they knew that I really, really wanted a position there. So, that was like the first foot into the door of animation. And it was interesting. They were so early in the process that they really didn't have a character designer and that's what I was interested at the time to Mm -hmm. be. And Mm -hmm. production really took me under their wing. And when they did, I learned about the production pipeline. And what what was fascinating to me was like, okay, I want to meet with everybody on this pipeline. Like, I don't just want to meet with a character designer. I don't want to meet just our director of production, des- prop designer. I want to meet with everybody. So, I asked my production to set up meetings for me for like the sound engineer, the editing person, mm, like oh, wow. every person, like post-production per- people. It's like, I wanted to learn more about these jobs and I wanted to learn what other cogs are in the wheels of animation, you know? Because nobody mm-hmm. talks about that stuff when you're in school. Nobody even tells you production's a job when you're in school. They just focus on the art. Yeah. So, it was fascinating to me to learn about production and to learn about all the different jobs that nobody tells you about. Like, I had no idea that we needed sound engineers. I had no idea that we needed what the heck an editor did. And we just, I just mm-hmm. sat down with them like every other day and they just tell me everything about where they came from, what they were doing, how they did their job. And it's really fascinating, you know, hearing all these different perspectives From the animation industry, you mostly hear one perspective of like, oh, the artist route, Mm -hmm. but you never hear about anything else. And I think that really opened my mind to production and being more a part of it because in production, you're able to see not just one step of the process, but every step of it, all of it, you're Mm -hmm. part of the episode from the beginning to the end. And it's so satisfying to see Mm -hmm. an episode from like you handing it out to the artist honest, just a script to a complete fleshed out lit comped episode. And you're like, how the hell did we get from there to there in like six months? That's incredible. <laughs> I, I, I'm going on a tangent here, but like no, that great. was like the first experience was like just diving into animation, like fully into animation. And I'd say mm-hmm. if you're going into an internship, go in with wide, like eyes wide open and go in with that curiosity of learning about everything in animation mm-hmm. because you you know you might go in going like i'm interested in character design but then you might come out going like actually i'm interested in being a storyboard revisionist or you might come out being like you know what i kind of want to be a voice director you never know mm-hmm. there's so many opportunities out there that a lot of people don't know of
1: no that's very, very yeah. true and i think that's really sound advice as well so obviously like you interned yeah at disney tv so, from there, like what ended up being kind of like your first like non internship role when you entered the industry?
0: Yeah. So, like right after Disney TV, I freelanced on a movie called Beast of Burden for hoo Studios and I was doing visual development for them for like three months. I got a call from Cartoon Network because a friend of mine from school had gotten mm-hmm. a job there as a, I think an assistant director and they were looking for a PA and I was like, yeah, sure, I'll apply. I applied and I got the job within like two weeks. Oh, this this part I hate the most because like literally they <laughs> messed up my paperwork and they had to oh. give me an extra week of like, oh, we can't bring you in for another week. And that extra week, I got a call from Disney from Big Hero 6 asking if I wanted to be their PA. And I was like, oh, <sighs> shit. and it was tough it was it was it was honestly a really hard decision because you know i had i had been with big hero six and i had to learn to love that crew
3: Mm -hmm. but i had
0: already accepted cartoon network and in fear of burning any bridges to cartoon network i i took cartoon network over big hero Mm six yeah
1: at least in my opinion positions yeah both Tough position to be in, but also not a bad position to be in. I oh, think. yeah. <laughs> I don't think you could have made a wrong choice either way. But I think making the choices stick with Cartoon Network, and of being yeah. man of your word, sticking to your commitment, yeah. but also it gave you an opportunity to make more genuine connections with other artists that you wouldn't have gotten a chance to work with if you didn't exactly. go with the Cartoon Network. Because, like you mentioned, you love the crew there. You know, no matter what, even if you you know turned down the job, they were still mm-hmm. going to like you. You Were still going to have those connections. You're, they were still going to appreciate what you did for that team when you were interning exactly. with them. Yeah. But now you have an opportunity to like, yeah, meet more people and
0: keep expanding your knowledge, keep expanding your horizons, learning from a different studio. Definitely. Definitely. I, I wouldn't change anything for the world, honestly. I wouldn't be where I am without them.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, something that I kind of also want to dive into deeper is that you're in the world of production. Again, interning at Disney TV opened your eyes to like all these other avenues what you can do in animation. But yeah. you've also done some character design freelance for like, you know, Wacky Races, the Wee Bear Bear movie. Yeah. And again, you were saying that you were drawing every day and that's how people got to yeah. know you and how you got the attention. <laughs> Originally, did you want to go into animation being a character designer? Yes. And then discovered a love for production or... Do you still want to transition into that art role? That's something that kind of I'm interested in. I want to know a little bit more about
3: you.
0: Your first question. Yes. And yes, (laughs) I came into animation being like, I want to be a character designer and I ended up falling in love with production. I think that does sum it up. That's beautiful. And as a full-time role, I don't know. Right now, I'm kind of like still trying to figure that out. If I would want a full-time art position, it's really nice to not be tied down to one production, you know? Mm-hmm. So with art, especially with character design, like freelance, I'm able to do freelance for a lot of different shows and a lot of different studios, and I'm not really tied down to one specific style, which I really love, and I love the idea of that. With production, I'm able to have like a full-time job, still work in animation and still have that passion of seeing an episode from beginning to end with the option of freelancing on the side, which is very nice. Mm. I, I really like that idea. I know it seems a little selfish because I'm technically working on like two shows or three could be working (laughs) on three shows, but it's really nice, honestly, not being tied down to like one specific show, especially in the artist side. Like that's the thing with with me whenever I draw and whenever I'm like doing designs, I love branching out into different styles. I love experimenting. I love going into different types of mediums. So, Mm. it's important to me to keep things fresh to make sure that I'm able to experiment, figure things out in a different sense than continuously drawing the same thing every single day, you know?
1: Mm. Honestly, I think that's super great because like right now, you're kind of living the best of both worlds. You're- Yeah. With freelancing, you're still doing what you originally kind of set out to do but again, you discover this new love in that first internship and like now- because honestly, like, you don't see that a lot. Most majority of the time that people are in production, and again, there's nothing wrong with it either. When well, Majority of the time when people are in production is because they're doing that freelance gig to hopefully eventually have enough of a portfolio to transfer into a full-time art
0: position. Yeah.
1: But looks like you're perfectly happy with what you're doing. And it's honestly, kind of like we mentioned, you always hear about the out roles, You always hear about that. But you don't hear about all uh, the behind-the-scenes stuff that also goes into making an animated show. And it's good to kind of see people like you that are doing both or that like you know are also just content with like you know helping on the production side because not a lot of people know those roles and that's not no, that's another way to work and still be f- fulfilling because like i can't tell you how much i appreciate the production crew on the show yeah. i'm on like they're all super amazing and it's just until you're in it mm-hmm. they don't get a lot of love like i no. love my production <laughs> team but like but when you're in high school and college you don't bat an eye. You don't no. acknowledge that they even exist. Because you, you're like, tells you. I want to be a character designer. I want to be a storyboarder. I want to be, I want to do, you know, art directing, blah, 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 blah. And like, yeah. but no one's like, I want to be a production coordinator. I want to be a production <laughs> manager. I want to no. be an animatic editor. It's just like, these are also cool roles that exist. Yeah.
0: No, they're really yeah. cool roles. And I mean, like I said, there's a certain type of feeling when you turn in an episode after you've been with it for like eight months, six months there's this feeling inside of you of accomplishment. And then it it just gets 10 times bigger when you turn in the whole season and you go to that wrap party. It's it's, it's a different type of feeling because you've been there the entire time. You weren't just part of like artwork. You weren't just part of the script. You were part of all of it. And all those late night shipping days and all those late night trying to get something done are worth it by the end of that, in my opinion. It's a great feeling. Is what i'm trying to say
3: no
2: it is yeah yeah and i think you're saying earlier that you're saying you feel a little selfish yeah <laughs> for you know taking on freelance and stuff i don't think that's the case at all because well one they wouldn't freelance out to you if they didn't need the help that's and true dude you gotta you gotta just work what you know works best for you everybody's yeah, different exactly i don't think anybody's gonna blame you for being <laughs> like Oh, you did some work? Like you put in the time? <laughs> yeah. How dare you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I get that. And I mean, recently I, I had a friend who reached out to me for some freelance, but I'm just like, I tend to push those onto people that I know are looking for a job. So I- Yeah. Yeah. So I, great. I'd rather do that over myself because I do have the full-time gig. I'd rather be like, yeah, I don't need it, but I know this person does need it. And I'll just push it straight onto them.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Could you tell us a little bit more about like why one of your future aspirations is to kind of transition into recruiting? Because that's also another aspect yeah. of animation that's else very very different <laughs> from production from creating art but like Yeah. Yeah, why what's what is it about recruiting? Why is that one of the things you want to eventually transition into? I want to hear more.
0: I think the biggest thing for me and I mean this is coming from like when I was in doing art and applying for art jobs specifically is I would meet with these recruiters, I'd have lunch with them, I'd ask them what their experience was, like where they came from. And I was surprised to hear a lot of them, a lot of recruiters in animation came from like marketing or business. Hmm. And I'm like, what? (laughs) It's just, it's like, it's confusing to me because I like coming from art, studying art, working in, in animation, in production, and in character designs, I would imagine For people that are bringing in talent into a studio, you'd want them to have experience or some sort of art experience or some sort of animation experience, some sort of art background to be like to give proper like critique. Because you like you see these people at like CTN, you see them at like Lightbox, and you know that's the recruiters, and they're giving critiques and on portfolios and stuff. And I'm like, but what exactly gives you the credentials to give that kind of advice to okay. so especially mm-hmm. students? It's like you didn't study art, you haven't worked in animation. Like a lot of them didn't come from production. A lot of them didn't come from working on an animated show. So I'm like, mm-hmm. why are you giving this kid? advice on their portfolio or just reading off a script. I don't understand. And I think that's one of the biggest things as to why I want to go into recruiting is like, I want to come into recruiting with that experience. I want to be able to give genuine critiques to students Mm. and like, give them an honest opinion on to like, what to expect in the animation industry. I think that's something that we're missing a lot from recruiting. And mm-hmm. I think another thing that we're missing a lot of in recruiting is like, I definitely want to bring in more diversity into mm-hmm. recruiting. That's the biggest mm-hmm. thing that I'm, I'm I'm noticing a lot of is whenever, you know, a show needs somebody, they have like a list of people that they already have and it's like, okay. And they're all like old white men. And it's like, oh, that's not mm-hmm. great. That's not yeah. awesome. Like I know 20 other people of color that are looking for a job right now. Or are looking for a position, that same position, and you're just gonna hire your old friend that hasn't worked in the industry in 50 years. It's it's a little disheartening when you hear that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, and then you talk to their, your recruiters, and they're like, "Oh, well, they're on our list of like recommended. They have like a special list for them." And I just I really yeah. want to like kind of knock that out and figure out a system to be like, here are more younger people of color, women, LGBTQ people that are also looking for those kinds of positions and can, you know, Mm -hmm. rise up in animation because we don't really see that happening, you know?
1: Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because I was going to be like, what are you kind of hoping to accomplish in a recruiting position like that? I was hoping that would be your answer because that's exactly like what Rise Up Animation is doing. That's what we're trying to do with Straight Ahead is bring more of a spotlight to black, indigenous and, you know, people of color to kind of yeah. hear the stories. And yeah, just trying to bring different perspectives, you know, younger voices into this medium, into this industry because yeah, we're severely lacking in that because
0: it oh, is. Oh, it's crazy. In
1: a lot of positions, <laughs> especially on the production side,
0: if more so, a lot of older white gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the thing that's disheartening. I mean, it's hard. That's for sure. And I think that's one thing that I definitely want to stomp out. Recruiting, you know, and it's not that like I have a problem with like all the white men, no problem there. It's just like (laughs) they've had their time in the spotlight 20 years ago, 30 years ago. They worked Mm -hmm. on shows that you know brought us up as kids. You know, we watched the original Spongebob, we watched all these other shows, Mm -hmm. but you know, it's time for new voices, it's time for new perspectives that they just can't give anymore. You know, the world's changing, we have to change with it. Yeah, we're,
1: <laughs> America every year is becoming more and more diverse. It's more people exactly. of color. There's more mixed people as well. You know, more people feeling comfortable now, accepting who they are, whether they're non-binary, whether they're part of the LGBTQ plus community. It's just exactly we're getting more and more
0: diverse every year and every day.
1: Yeah, and we need more stuff to reflect that.
0: I'd love to see that reflected in our studios, honestly. No, very, very much so. And so
1: I guess that kind of segues into my next question. How do you feel like your background as a Latino person play a role in kind of like what you do in the industry as a production coordinator or as an artist? I'm
0: not sure. (laughs) (laughs) I think with being a Latino person and jumping into animation, I think if you want to play a bigger role, I think if those kinds of roles would come in with being a writer or being a storyboard artist, you know, and giving those types of voices through there, it's kind of hard Kind of have a voice in being a character designer or being in production. I will say that I definitely work really hard. And I think all Latinos work really hard. Growing up, all of our parents struggled to give us a better life. And they came over to the United States to give us that better life. Mm
3: -hmm. And I
0: think that shows with a lot of the Latinos that do work in animation. They're the most hardworking people I've ever met. And they're very passionate about their jobs and what their shows and what they're doing. I think that's like the biggest voice of coming in from production or character designer. But when it comes to like actually Mm -hmm. telling stories and like giving a perspective from Latinos, it really comes in from the story aspect, which is storyboards and like script writing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: No, that's like very much true. But for me, like I also want to see more... People of color, more Latinos, more like Latinas, more Latinx individuals in a role in production because we oh, don't yeah, see a lot absolutely. of it there. We, I know, I know mm-hmm. of a small handful, there's, <laughs> there's, there's a good amount that I can name out of the top of my head, but like we still don't have enough there. And even, even in those positions, like, yeah, I think you can definitely make a stronger impact in the writing room mm-hmm. or as a board artist. But the thing is, like, we also still need advocates and people in your position where it's like, yeah. If a it story is trying to get this idea across and just like the white execs are like, hmm, I don't know. And then you're like, no, this rings true. Like I can, you know, vouch and like, you know, advocate yeah. for this idea. Like we should push this along. Like this yeah. is going to work. Trust me. There's more mm-hmm. people in your position could help. Just be an advocate, be a second voice, be a helping hand.
0: Yeah. Maybe I just haven't had that experience Yeah, <laughs> in, <laughs> on the show that I've been on. But yeah, no, definitely. I completely agree with you.
1: Mm-hmm want to see more of that. want to see more people in your position. want to see more artists because I think right now, the industry is doing a good job trying to bring more diverse artists, Mm -hmm. but I don't think we're seeing enough diverse individuals in production, at least from what I've seen. No, same here. I feel Mm -hmm. like that's the part we're lacking. Yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah, I agree. I think we need to bring more people of color from different diverse backgrounds, honestly, onto our studios. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Another quick thing that I kinda of wanna dive into, I wanna backtrack a bit because we were having kind of a conversation before we started recording. So you mentioned earlier you internet Disney TV, but another place you also internet that's very interesting was Frederator Studios. How is that experience between the two? Because I feel like everybody knows what Frederator is. Yeah. There's a YouTube channel, mm-hmm. they're at the end of like, you know, Danny Phantom and Adventure Time, the little Frederator at yeah little thing. But mm-hmm. you are the first person that I've met that has actually come. From yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it was a weird experience. That's for sure. So, the show I was on on Frederator was Cartoon Conspiracies with Emily, the host. And Emily was my roommate at the time. So, she got me a job on the show as an intern slash writer. So, I wrote like half of the episodes uh, while Emily mm-hmm. wrote the other half wow yeah it was very interesting we just like so what we do is we'd set up like a camera and a green screen in our boss's office like we'd kick him out (laughs) and we'd move his desk and set up a green screen in the office and shoot our whole episodes there and it was uh it's really weird (laughs) but it was definitely it was definitely a more smaller studio feel where like they didn't really have a Mm. budget there's like super tiny and like i said like an intern was the like the writer like that doesn't really happen on a yeah. lot of shows um, mm-hmm. and disney like had its you know its whole track they had all the money in the world and nothing could stop <laughs> them and that was like the biggest difference is like disney had that big studio feel and they like knew exactly mm-hmm. what they were doing they knew how to do it and Frederick, it was just like, okay, here's a camera, here's a green screen, figure it out. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what we did for like the longest time. We just like research cartoon conspiracies online and then we'd shoot them and then we'd put them on the internet and that was it. That's all we would do.
1: <laughs> I just want to say really quickly, I loved watching <laughs> cartoon conspiracies and I loved watching the 100% effect. I will admit, oh, yeah. I stopped watching after Emily left. <laughs> yep. <laughs> she was the best show.
0: She was the best Host, honestly, and like honestly, she was was great. There's actually a lost episode of cartoon Conspiracies that we shot that was supposed to come out with Popeye, but yeah, it just it never came out. They cut it because the the, the movie got canceled.
3: Yeah, Mm -hmm.
0: that was actually our funnest episode that we did because we came up with the conspiracy ourselves. Mm. So yeah, I I don't know if it'll ever be shown to the public. I don't know. I think they still have it, and if the movie is being remade, (laughs) like I hear it's gonna be made. I might release with it. I'm not sure, but that's another cartoon conspiracy out there.
2: <laughs> the new conspiracy is that they just keep announcing, reannouncing the same Popeye remake, but like it never actually it comes never out, and everybody's out. like, "Where is it?" It's like
0: it's like Kanye West's new album. Yeah. <laughs>
2: But what you're saying about like a large studio versus yeah. small studio is totally true. Like I've worked as an internet cartoon network and then i worked for Awesome Incorporated, which is a really small studio out here in Georgia. Yeah, Totally different in terms of like knowing what the pipeline is yeah. versus like being able to make certain mistakes or being like, oh, we need a, a last minute person to get on. Ah, just throw money at them. Yeah, um,
3: <laughs> exactly. But, like when
2: you're working in a smaller studio, yeah, you just kind of like got to hodgepodge stuff together, you know, grab whatever you can at the time. Yeah. It's a totally different feel. It's a
0: totally different feel. Mm -hmm. No, it was really weird interning at Frederator. But yeah, I think I I learned a lot from that position. I definitely met a lot of people that I wouldn't have met in like a big studio because a lot of the Mm -hmm. people that were working at Frederator were like writers for the YouTube show. Mm -hmm. They did their own thing and they really didn't know a lot about animation. So, it was interesting to see their perspective on things. Mm-hmm. that's
2: interesting considering they seem to produce quite a bit of yeah <laughs> random bits of animation
0: they were like influencer type people and then like ah. yeah i think i think most of the animation stuff was handled in new york in their new york studio oh, that's okay. crazy yeah. to me
1: because i think like i think nick is better now at it but for a while it's like even though friderator you know does produce uh you know adventure time yeah be puppy cat the other warrior one the one bravest warriors, bravest bravest warriors, bravest, 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 bravest warriors. <laughs> Danny Phantom and stuff yeah. like that. Or oh, was that Fairly Our Friends? No, Fairly Our Friends and Danny Phantom was done by Fairly. Yeah, they did both of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, They weren't Nick, they weren't Cartoon Network, but like, you know, you still knew the name. But yeah. I thought they were doing such a good job as far as having a social media presence or as having like, you know... A presence outside of just oh we make this show they did the youtube thing more successful than any studio but now i feel like nick is just on another level when it comes to doing oh, yeah. stuff for youtube and social media and predator mm-hmm. has kind of like i don't want to say followed up, but like i maybe it's still popular maybe i cause i know they have several channels i know they have a gaming yeah. one they have an anime one they have so many different i
3: have things no their little idea. umbrella.
1: but i'm not keeping up with it
0: <laughs> same yeah i i don't know what happened to them i'm like okay I think the last yeah. thing I saw was those, those, like, what is it, 107 facts stuff. Yeah. And that was, like, the last thing I saw of them.
3: And then mm-hmm.
0: I fell off completely.
1: That's so always, it's like when uh, when BuzzFeed loses their hosts, like, people just kind of stop watching.
0: <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> was it the Try Guys went to go make their own channel?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: yeah.
1: I'm not gonna lie, I watched BuzzFeed for a bit, too, and then when the Try Guys left, I stopped watching.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: They were, like, the best part of it, so. Yeah. Yeah.
2: All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, before we get into our final question, where can our audience find you? And is there anything else you want to plug?
0: Yeah, sure. So I think we already premiered the second half of the first season of Camp Coral. I'm not really sure if it is out. Uh, you can watch it on Power Map And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under my handle Liar, G-H-O-S-T-L-Y-R-E. That's where you can find me. Yeah. Thanks.
2: That's awesome. You're not posting a image every four hours no, anymore? No, not okay. anymore. I should do really that. really unfortunate. That would be no. <laughs>
0: awesome. I, I should do that though. But yeah, I don't know. I've been pretty lazy.
1: <laughs> dude, that's not well, Production's hard, totally man. Totally fair. Yeah. You, you have a lot. And collecting those Pokemon cards is also pretty oh, hard. Oh, dude,
0: it's a full-time <laughs> job. That's a second <laughs> job right there.
1: <laughs> so, as we wrap up, is there any funnel advice you will want to bestow to those that want to pursue a career in the animation industry?
0: Definitely. One, don't be afraid to ask questions. Two, if you're interested in art, draw your little heart out, go crazy, just draw all the time, try to learn as much as you can. And then if you're a student, especially reach out to industry professionals, ask them for a cup of coffee, ask them for lunch. Like 90% of the time, they'll say yes. They'll sit down with you and they'll bestow their knowledge on you. No matter how big they are, they'll sit down with you and give you some advice, especially as students. I say I say take full advantage of being a student in the animation industry. That's for sure.
1: Are you offering yourself up as well? Can people ask you for
3: uh, <laughs> coffee?
0: <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'll go get coffee. As long as as long oh, yeah, as they sure. as long as they <laughs> Put my account on private now, no <laughs> um, <laughs> no, yeah, no, I'd be down to grab a coffee and bestow some some knowledge on them if they're they're interested yeah
1: I do I think awesome. you're you're a wealth of knowledge man, especially again, you have such a unique background and such a unique position in the industry with how you're approaching it that I think you're someone to look out for, someone to listen to, yeah. someone to like pick their brain.
0: well, I think yeah. one thing i I don't think we got into is I've worked in like five different types of animation in the industry. I've worked on stop motion, I've worked on a CG film, I've worked on the CG show now, a flash show, and then a harmony show. So it's mm. it's having that, I've been lucky enough to have that kind of background where I've been able to see all these different types of pipelines.
2: Yeah, doubling in different, different very mediums different. almost, yeah. Yeah, it's
0: very different in every, it, like working on Robot Chicken was so cool. And so different than like anything else I've ever worked on.
1: Oh, that's so crazy. Okay. One one of these (laughs) days in the future, we'll we'll bring you back and we'll dive
0: deeper. Or we'll do something.
1: But yeah, or we'll just talk (laughs) off podcasts.
2: Yeah, that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, excellent, excellent. I mean, I wish we had all day, but unfortunately, we do have to wrap
0: up. Understandable.
2: If you enjoyed our interview with Christian today, please rate us and follow us on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you tune in. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Straight Ahead AP and thanks to marie del porto for suggesting christian as a guest for us thank you and you audience member if you have any suggestions for other guests please contact us on social media or send us an email at straight ahead podcast at gmail.com we love discovering new professionals and want to use this platform to boost these voices of the future thank you to ashley Itleong for editing this episode and finally a big thanks to our music composer daniel Redier. Thanks again
1: for listening. And thank you once again to our guest who has a bright future straight ahead. Until next week, have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye. Bye.